Welcome to the Degree of Experience Podcast, Episode 7. I'm your host, Chris Bargeron, and I'm feeling the LJR vibes. And I am Sir Puck. Happy to be here. Another episode, another day. Yes. Welcome, everyone, to the Degree of Experience Podcast, a podcast where we reevaluate our past in order to redefine our present and future. And kind of before we kick off into things with our special guest, I uh, just want to remind everybody that although we are a mental health podcast, or at least listed as a mental health podcast, uh, we are not uh, certified or trained mental health we professionals. We don't know what we're talking about, people. Well, no, you may we know, not know what you're talking about, but <laughs> I like to pretend that I do. Yeah. Um, so, so keep that in mind. We're just, we're just two guys who have had a lot of experiences, um, that have given us a degree of experience and we are, in, are uh, inspired to share with everybody. So way to be on brand. Yeah. Hey man, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, we want to welcome our special guest, a uh, very special guest to me. He is my cousin, uh, but he's also a professional musician, um, Luke Justin Roberts, um, also known as LJR. Uh, he's got a fantastical uh, pop music uh, catalog. Um, and without further ado, welcome, Luke. And welcome. Thanks, guys. It's uh, great to be here. I'm really excited for uh, our discussion today and to uh, connect more. This will be great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for coming. Uh, and so to start off, one of my favorite questions to ask uh, guests is your earliest childhood memory that you can think of having an answer to this. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I think uh, my earliest childhood memory is definitely wanting to be like Lego, like to work for Lego and like design <laughs> Lego sets, build them. Like that's definitely what I wanted to do. Um, from a career standpoint, I think, I mean, to be fair, I was, I was really good at Legos, you know, back in the day. Mm, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was definitely one of my favorite things. I remember building all these pirate ships and, you know, spaceships and all that stuff. It was, yep. it was the dream, man. Yeah. Hey, and it's, it's a career. Um, I don't know if you've ever it seen is. that show. Uh, I think it's called Lego masters. Um, if not, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah I, I, I might have heard of it, but I don't think I ever I watched it. So. I highly recommend it. It's great. It's it's it it really brings together that sort of nostalgia for that childhood building and imagination, but also mm. sort of brings in like engine like all the stuff for the advanced Lego building. You know, like engineering <laughs> and and it's a reality show, so of course they have the like you know interesting people in the competition with stories and stuff. But it's a it's 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 got a good sense of humor about itself too. But anyway, I, I could not that's to cool. ramble off on that, but anyone listening, that's like, oh man, yeah, I love Legos. Yeah, check that show out. Um, but that's interesting too. That yeah, a Lego builder. When at what point did you kind of start to get into uh, music? Um, well, I mean, music's always kind of been in my family. So my dad, uh, you know, he played with a band, and we would always be like schlepping gear to you know, whatever show he was playing. Um, so it's kind of as long as I can remember, he was always, you know, doing music stuff. Um, but the first time I remember actively doing something musical was like hitting those Maxwell House coffee cans. Um, yeah. And I really wanted to hit the rubber parts because those are the most like real Tom heads, you know. Um, yeah. And of course, they always broke because I would hit them way too hard. Um, but that was my first experience with music. <laughs> um, we, we hit them with drumsticks. Like, did your dad lend you some or something? 
That's a good question. I actually don't like remember. Spoons, big spoons um, or something. Uh, yeah, like I think they're wooden, wooden spoons. spoons. That yeah. sounds like it. I just yeah. imagine breaking it. I could see like a drumstick like popping through it with an enthusiastic, enthusiastic hit. Totally. That's cool. Yeah, I, I broke them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's probably how it started. And then it took me a long time to dis- to discover that like I really wanted to do art and music, you know, for my for my whole life instead of being a Lego guy. <laughs> was, I think Lego started into engineering, you know, for a while in a lot of ways, which was really, I think, more what my parents wanted me to do and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I didn't really know who I was, but yeah, they probably saw more, more money in the engineering side, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I even got a fellowship to go to grad school. Like, I got it all paid for and a stipend and everything. Nice. It, was, it was great. Came out of grad school with no debt, a little bit saved yeah. up. Wow, okay. a lot of people can say that, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely super, super lucky with that. There's a lot of privilege, you know, with that. That was, um, I was really grateful for. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that even like us, we're we're in a debt situation with my wife, but we're you know we're making progress. You know, it's not. Yeah, luckily, I'm definitely in debt now after the expenses from this album last year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is what it was, but it's it's going down. It's still there. That's a really cool yeah. uh, debt. Well, so when when did that switch happen for you, where music turned from something that you were just kind of having fun with to like, man, I can, I this is this could be a career. Yeah, I think um, the time that it really switched was when I was in grad school and everything started to really fall apart for me. Um, I was, my girlfriend and I, who I thought I was going to marry, we broke up. Um, I was, um, you know, in this grad school program, realizing like, I'm not actually happy here. Um, I was working on a really cool project, but I just found myself being more and more upset. Um, just finding, discovering a lot of, um, anger, frustration, um, deep sadness that was there. I didn't really know all of why it was there. Um, my faith was really falling apart at that time as well. You know, I grew up super evangelical Christian mm-hmm. and that had been my whole foundation for a meeting and everything. And just all these pieces were really falling apart. And I was trying to figure out like, what, well, what do I, what do I do? Like, what do I move on toward? And uh, there was this podcast that gave me some direction. It's called the strategic entrepreneur. I don't think it's around anymore. You might be able to listen to episodes online, but I don't think it's on like podcasts and stuff like that anymore. Um, but they had this quote they would always end um, the, each episode with. They'd say, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is more people who've come alive. That's and that awesome. always really stuck with me. Um, so I just asked myself that question. Well, what makes me come alive? And it was three things. It was creating art, empowering people, and building relationships. So I kind of decided that whatever I did from that point on um, in my life, or business or whatever needed to be, you know, fitting into one of those three categories. And so over time, it really kind of whittled down through a lot of experimentation and, you know, just I'm figuring things out after I quit grad school that um, is my main art forms for music and eventually turned into film as well. Um, Empowering people is, you know, by sharing what I've learned, uh, whether it's, you know, about how to do video stuff or music business stuff or, um, I've also got an app that I'm, I'm releasing. We're in the beta testing phase. Uh, it's called fund up. It gives people an easy way to multiply their giving to nonprofits in their local community. Um, <laughs> that's a big way to try to empower, you know, people, um, and then awesome. just you know, really investing a lot more into, um, my own personal healing, um, so that I could show up in a more healthy way in relationships. 
um, as well. And then, you know, try to be just a better friend uh, and hope that that can be something that could help. I could help other people be better friends in the, in the end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, by kind of meeting my own needs first, you know, and I could show up as a, as a person that could help them. Yeah. That's perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I can relate with that a lot too. Um, especially like somebody coming out of, uh, recover and coming from a place of recovery and, and alcohol and drug addiction. It's interesting too. And you kind of mentioned, like, I think you said, used the word trauma earlier, but in healing, I think it was really what you said, but yeah, wait, you know, when you, when you're in such a mindset of like trying to work on yourself and then it's like, you gain an appreciation and you realize like, wow, I, I you know, I want to pass this on. Um, and I think that's beautiful too, how you're really taking that to a next level. Um, designing like an app for it. That's amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. We're, it's it's always kind of a weird personal exercise to look back at like 10 years ago and look at me and then look at where I'm at now and how like if if I if I had known like who I am now and what I had to do to get here, I probably would have done a lot of things to try to prevent that from happening um, because I didn't you know, be, when, when I was so in the evangelical, you know, Christian culture, um, anything outside of being in that world and kind of having that worldview that we're, you know, here to build the kingdom of God by bringing souls, you know, to the gospel and helping to, you know, give them that message of hope and re- reconciliation to God and all that stuff. Like anything outside of that is just meaningless, um, especially in comparison to that. So once I had, once I lost that, it was, you know, it took forever to get it back, but, or to get a sense of that back and, and to create it in other areas, which is a whole other topic we can talk about. What does that process even look like? But, um, I mean, I think there's obviously a lot more that goes into, you know, that yeah. experience overall, but, um, yeah, that's kind of the, some of the pieces of, of that journey kind of. Well, that you were able to identify it too, to, to be able to say, you know, these are the three things to sit down and actually, you know, the podcast got you there, but to do the work, you know, a lot of people, I think these days will read things and say, oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. And I think often the difference is the people who actually sit down and take the time for that, honestly, Mm self-care. I'm, I'm in the process of starting up a business with a buddy and, joined a networking group and the commonality among these people, these successful entrepreneurs are the people who are able to look at themselves, take care of themselves and then want to help other people. You know, that's kind of the the theme I've seen in kind of being successful in an entrepreneurial spirit. And you've embraced that, which is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. It's interesting how my, it, it took me a very long time to, to learn that. And I feel like I still have to do, active work to make sure I am of course yeah. meeting my own needs. Um, cause I grew up with a lot of codependency, which, uh, you know, in a basic sum for anybody listening is like, it's, it's you not meeting your own needs, but you're meeting other people's needs. And then other people are supposedly going to then meet your needs after that. And if everybody's kind of expecting everybody else to meet each other's needs, you just end up with some really, uh, enmeshed situations that can be really unhealthy. Yeah. And so, I was very much stuck in that for a long time. Um, and it was reinforced by um, the evangelicalism that I was part of because there were these concepts of like, you know, God filling you up and filling your cup and being the, 
the thing that, that gives you the energy, that gives you the life that you need to then go out and love the rest of the world. And, um, you know, that, and you're supposed to go and just give and give and give. Um, but we weren't really taught boundaries at all. Um, and when do you stop giving? I mean, you're supposed to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? So like, and greater love has no man than this. They lay down his life for his friends. And we're supposed to even love our enemies, you know, like, so there's this infinite amount of love we're expected to give. And there's an infinite amount of need out there in the world. Um, but, and if we're in theory being filled by God in this way through prayer and study and community and the Christian church and all this kind of stuff, we could in theory do that. Um, but that assumes that that mechanism is actually working, which it very much, uh, in my opinion, does not. Um, it definitely did not for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it set up a situation where I was always just giving and giving and giving. And that was what was like moral. That was what was good to do. And it was I was praised for doing that. So um, to move on to meeting my own needs felt selfish. It felt immoral. It felt wrong. So it took a lot of work to actually uh, try to overcome that those feelings and those um, uh, the, there's a lot of shame associated with that too in terms of like actually being the person that met my own needs. What what was ironic though about it was after I finally figured out how to start doing that and actually investing into myself and giving the best parts of of me to myself first to take care of what I needed, all of my relationships got way better. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. So I wasn't showing up codependently, you know being essentially very ASCII for their stuff, um, for, for the certain types of interactions or validation. Um, and now I was actually, because I was showing up in this way, um, I didn't even realize this at first, but I, because I was showing up in that way, that was giving my friends permission to do the same thing, to free themselves from the codependency. And it was actually the most helpful thing I could do for my friends was to focus on like meeting my own needs because that allowed them to focus on meeting their own needs, which is what they needed too, because they were stuck in these codependent you know, circles um, mm -hmm. as well and spirals. So that was like a really cool thing that like totally flipped it on its head. And um, that's part of where like, you know, if I look back at that person from 10 years ago, I would have looked at me now and been like, how in the world is that moral? Because it was, that's, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. It was like, yeah. how, how could I see myself as I am now as not just a selfish person who's, you know, um, who should be giving way more to the world and doing it in a more sacrificial way. Um, instead, you know, I would have like wanted to do everything I could to prevent becoming that person because the world was so, the world was so um, tightly wound up in that set of theological uh, beliefs yeah. that I, it was just impossible to get out of that without becoming a bad person. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, of course, not something I could do. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting too. You got like, that got me thinking about sort of how it really just growing up in that uh, religious environment, it just sets you up for codependency because you're taught yeah. to make, you know, to, to, your own needs are, you know, it does, it's not that important, but you need to seek the approval of of a grand other. But it's still you're being trained to just get your approval, get your um, um, needs, yeah, from an outside source instead of within. Yeah. I mean, it's and the the language is is almost like scarily direct in that way as well. You know, it's like um, don't be selfish. You know, um, give God is the person who has the power to make um, to for for good things to happen. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's the person who can make good and positive change in your life. 
um, and you don't have any sense of real power. Um, you, God needs you to go out and save the world, right? Your responsibility is to go out and meet all these needs of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't do that, then you're being selfish. Um, and any, any amount of that, you're always supposed to rid out any level of selfishness, you know, don't even give the devil a foothold. Um, it's, it's really unhealthy. Um, and I think, I don't know, the more that I, the more that I get outside of religion, I, I just, I see that exact dynamic is that you basically, it, it feels like it's almost always teaching people to be codependent by teaching them that the thing, just like you said, that, that will meet their needs is outside of themselves right. because you, you yourself are wretched. You are wrong. You are worthy of death because of the things that you've done. Um, more so than death, a, a, a hell in some cases. Yeah, death yeah. and hell. You know, um, the punishment. You know, for for any sin is death. Um, so you you are incapable of saving yourself, right? That's one of the that's like the, one of the fundamental messages of Christianity, um, which is part of why it makes the gospel supposed to be so beautiful. But mm-hmm. I, what I've found is the most transformational for me is eventually realizing after overcoming all that stuff, I was able to realize like, actually, no, I I am the person who can save myself. I am the one who is supposed to be my own savior, which before was like, you know, demonized, like that kind of thinking would be like sacrilegious or blasphemous or whatever. Which I'm not is talking so, about like sorry reconciling to myself to, to some actual Christian God, although you can make an interesting argument for maybe I have actually reconciled myself to the universe in a way that like parallels this same dynamic in a weird, strange way. Yeah. Well, it's healthier out of, yeah. out of the sin and the, the death that was before, you know, yeah. it's very interesting. Um, it's also interesting but, too. I love like, it's so ironic because what is the, the word or the phrase for God in, in at least the old Testament, I am, you know, and and as you were just saying, it's teaching you that I am this sort of bad. I am that sort of bad. If I am selfish, if I'm looking within for stuff, it, I, I've, I'm, getting, I'm on a big train too about how a lot of uh, organized religions have misused, misinterpreted for political reasonings. The the mm-hmm. the, the language of the mm-hmm. Bible or the language of the original writing, and you know, because I don't know if you ever heard like Course in Miracles or other interpretations like that that actually counter that with like the that at least Jesus's message was one of like, you know, love everyone, including yourself, you know, and that God is within you, you know, he's not the son of God. We're all children of God, kind of the kind of stuff, you know, that would be considered heresy in certain churches. Um, Yeah. And see, I was to realize like, God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this kind of implies that you are actually loving yourself and taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we, I mean, we were definitely not taught to do that. And I, I think it was a combination I think there's a, you know, as, as, is, as is always the case, there's always the experiences you bring to a situation. Um, and then there's what happens in the situation that together amplify whatever, create whatever outcome. Right. I know that I've brought a fair amount of, you know, emotional neglect to that situation, which, and already some existing codependency enmeshment stuff from my family, which, you know, kind of served as a easy breeding ground for that those types of beliefs to kind of take root you know and go deep um and could kind of support them from like a moralistic foundation and it's and it's interesting too with yeah because uh, not everyone and we haven't even brought up too that i mean a lot of people have families that go to church and whatnot but your family dynamic was heavily involved in the church your dad uh, 
what was your your father's role again? I forget which specific title he yeah, was. But he was he was the worship pastor and IT director um, <laughs> at Grace Community Church for I don't know almost not two decades. It was like uh, ten to fifteen years, I think. Okay, yeah. um, maybe longer. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, we were, we were all preachers, kids and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he was also like a missionary in Germany and stuff before all that. He had gone to Bible college, got his, you know, degree in, um, Bible studies. And I think he got his master's in divinity. No, it, was, it wasn't that he went to Bible college and then he got his master's in computer science. Thankfully. Um, uh, I don't know if he got a master's in divinity he might have, but he did get ordained and all that kind of stuff and, you know, preach the gospel. Um, so, yeah, thankfully he wasn't like on stage as much at Grace, although he did do that a couple of times um talking about worship as the worship pastor. You kind of limited to that small little lane, you know. Sir Puck, you no, seem like you're about the same. Yeah. Well, I was just going to bring up uh, you know, my my experience. I was not raised in a church at all, so I'm the complete opposite. Um mm. my my mom wasn't really raised in the church. She went to church occasionally with the neighbors who were Catholic. So she was like, no, nah. <laughs> you know, didn't didn't really uh, register with her. And then I think I was baptized something just to piss off my dad because um, <laughs> they got divorced, you know, when I was very young. And, you know, I think it was the final middle finger to, to him other than I'm going to do this by myself uh, with my grandparents help. But um, mm-hmm. so it's always been interesting to me, my experiences throughout life. Um, I've always kind of, and this will kind of mirror kind of what you were saying before, like I've always looked at religion as the opiate for the masses, right? That's the, you ever heard that phrase? That's the one that I've always hung on. Um, that's not to say I'm not spiritual. I was exposed to kind of like Eastern new age stuff as a child. Um, Ekinkar, which is about the trout the journey of the soul you know it's hierarchical you you aspire and you go up and then you eventually rejoin you know the whole great universe type thing um and then another kind of new age thing called the michael teachings which is again you know gets into like spirits and entities and all that kind of stuff and everybody has their own path when they kind of show up here you know like According to that, I'm a a scholar, so I like to learn about stuff. You know, I'll take things like my alcoholism to the very end of it, Um, you know, to learn, to learn the very depths of things. You know, that's kind of something I've uh, identified with, I guess. But it's it's always been interesting because I'm more spiritual than religious. And my girlfriend uh, grew up religious, so I've been going to church with her the last couple months. So it's been interesting just as an observer to see, cause like I'm totally turned off and I'm observing people and I'm seeing kind of that codependent part of it. You know what I yeah. mean? Where it's like, you know, you guys are building this community, but you're dependent on this to make yourself, it, it just hasn't really connected with me. And then the, yeah. the lengths they go to now, it's like a production. They got these two camera guys, you know, a drummer back there behind a shield, you know, all these different angles. Um, the the worship is like the band playing that whole thing. And I had no idea, you know, like not yeah. being in a church ever. I've always associated what churches are on TV and, you know, that, you know, everybody gets up, you get down, you get up, you sing, you know, right, to right. see it modernized like that was it took me back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's part of what's, um, 
I think almost a little bit scary um, is how how much they work hard to make it as relevant and as attractive as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I used to be in that and I, I fully was bought in and the goal is to bring as many souls to Christ as possible, you know, to, to yeah. save the world, to be part of creating the kingdom of God here on earth and everything. Um, but when I look at those dynamics that you're talking about, like all the codependency, the lack of personal power, um, where, what is the end, like, what does the end look like for a, a Christian? I mean, in theory, it's supposed to be this process of sanctification, which leads to the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, mm-hmm. faithfulness, um, self-control. Like those are what is what it's supposed to do. Um, but what I feel like I often see in church is not that. Um, it's not real growth like that. It's actually more like the wages of sin. It's more like mm. death, like when I when I look at it now, I see people who have who have basically kind of gone to die, um, where they they lose themselves, they lose their sense of agency, and then they foster codependency, and oftentimes they come into it as adults, not realizing that if they bring their kids into the same environment, their experience is going to be very very different. Because as an adult, like you've already got, especially if you didn't grow up religious, like you've got at least more of a sense of agency and like personal power um but you have to build that you know as as a as a child and that's part of your brain that's responsible for your sense of agency and that's got to develop you know um and it develops by when you go through stuff that can be you know traumatic um you your body dumps all these um uh, stress chemicals into itself and then it has a then you that causes all these strong emotions to come up. The emotions motivate action. You're supposed to, be able to take action to actually, you know, learn that you're safe. Um, and especially in situations where there's a lot of child abuse um, and like a lack of believing in the goodness of which, which I, I would say that Christianity by the, the fundamental message that we are like really wretched and messed up and worthy of death, which is what they teach you as a kid. Um, that you're doing emotional damage, emotional trauma, you know, to your kids, uh, if you're like bringing them up in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is usually, of course, combined with people who go to church oftentimes are going there because they have unmet needs that they haven't really gone to therapy for, haven't learned how to, you know, work on this stuff. And they just kind of get a stopgap in the way that church seems like it meets their needs. So then um, this usually means that they've got a lot of emotional neglect uh, and damage that's unhealed that they then continue to pass on to their kids. Um, so the kids are then showing up to this environment already with a lot of uh, emotional abuse. And that means that they went through in their like family environment situations where there's a traumatic event, the, the chemicals dump into their body, strong emotions. They want to take action to get out, to feel safe. And when that, when they you know feel, if, if they can get to a place where they feel safe, then the stress hormones or the stress chemicals will stop um, they'll actually disperse and your body can go away from being in that fight or flight, no longer in that hypervigilant kind of state. But oftentimes in these situations, um, the child cannot do that in a, in, a, in a situation of child abuse. And that process is what's responsible for actually developing that part of your brain that's responsible for your sense of agency. This is why people who have a lot of trauma are much less likely to feel a sense of personal power 
in their lives because they don't believe that they have the power to change their situation because they were this is built into them at the young age. And then you bring them into a Christian um, context where this message is further, you know, amplified right. that you're awful, that you're bad, um, you're wretched, you're not worthy of love, except for the fact that God decided to, you know, kill his son for you. Um, so you needed blood to be spilt for you because you're literally, you know, that bad. And that if you, and it sets up this narrative where you're sinful, you have to try to be like God. And if you can't get there, you know, you're continuing to sin and any, any steps you take towards that, all the credit goes to God, not to you. Right. So it's a yet again, reinforcing that you, (laughs) even if you do accomplish things, you don't have real power. It's not you doing it. It's God. Yeah. It's like completely robbing a person of their own real sense of autonomy if they grow up in that church and are actually committed, you know, to, to really making that happen, actually following the real tenets, at least how I viewed them growing up. I know some people view them differently, but I, in my current state, I don't really see, I really see how in any case, if it's, if you're really committed to that worldview, that that kind of dynamic is not going to still happen to you. Yeah. And then, and then the other mind boggling thing is with all that sort of trauma that you're describing, uh, and it's being fed, uh, as <laughs> then, it, then you're also told like, Hey, you're, you know, you've got a lot of sin, trust this outside source, not yourself. And then pass that on, pass that unhealthy <laughs> you know, perspective on. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it blows my mind too. Cause when you're talking about the different fundamentals and you mentioned kindness, uh, it, I just, it, it, the thing that hit me immediately was thinking like, just is it really kind to judge others and want to change them? Um, because it seems to me, you know, like if you, it's mm. it's missing acceptance, you know, it's missing compassion almost. Um, even though the irony is, is, is you know, it it views itself as extremely compassionate in what it's doing. Well, I'd never made the connection. No. Every sin, you know, you deserve to die for every sin. So, like, you always hear the Catholics, you know, like god hates catholics or whatever like they're the ones who are really the ones that but to make that connection about christianity that to me kind of like blew my mind a little bit that you are mm-hmm. creating this relationship where like no you you do deserve to die if you do this you know like that's crazy i've never yeah. really connected it that way yeah it's it's really it's so weird to think that it was so normal but that's what i thought was normal growing up and sure. you know any Basically, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and you're supposed to be perfect as I am perfect, you know, and, and any sin, God cannot be in the presence of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has to basically, you know, kill anything that has sin still on it, which is why he had to send his son Jesus to die. And I'm sure that there could be alternate, you know, interpretations of some of this stuff, but it's well, like, well, that's the that's other the thing core I've always... message that I see in, in most versions of Christianity. Well, and the interpretation part of it, too, to speak to that, you know, like, that's the other part of religion I've always kind of questioned, like, how, like, one of the things that the pastor said is like, oh, well, this, this, you can't even really uh, translate, like, so much gets lost in the translation. Well, it's like, okay, so now you have this text that you really don't know the meaning of, that is from uh, a bygone era that there's nothing unless you're living in the backcountry hills that can compare to the way life was 2000 years ago Mm -hmm. um so there's nothing that updates about it and i just i i've just always been struck by the 
I don't know. I, I guess I have kind of that to speak back to your Lego, right? Like you, you probably had some engineer mind, right? I kind of have the same way. Like I'm a prove it person. Like I need yeah, to see bro. it. Um, there's no postcards coming back from dead people. So I, I don't know what's going not on that there. Attitude. Uh, <laughs> not with that attitude. Right. Um, but it, it's just always been kind of suspect to me that it's like this big base is the foundation. That's not even what we speak. You know, it's odd. Yeah. yeah. And one thing too, like, because what blows my mind is someone like I grew up, so me and Luke kind of had opposite uh, styles of growing up because in my house, uh, we didn't go to church. My dad was an atheist or at least ag- extremely agnostic. Um, so besides outside family members, like our mama kind of, you know, bringing it in around Christmas time, I didn't grow up with any sort of understanding and when I, the first rehab I went to was a Salvation Army rehab. And, and they, they basically, they don't force it on you, but it's like, they, they, they were cool about presenting different types of recovery to you. But of course, Catholicism was there or, or Christianity was there. And mm-hmm. so I gave it a chance and I started studying the Bible. And the experience I had, though, was this sort of thing of like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> this is not this is not what I'm seeing because like you know talking about like all the sin stuff like you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that Jesus hung out with prostitutes Jesus hung out with all sorts of sinners and from my interpretation of the Bible he never talked about them changing those things he just said love each other and follow me and I interpret the follow me as sort of following I don't know following the path of love the only people he gave a hard time to were were was the the Jewish church and and people in power essentially from from what I remember, but yeah. you know it's one of those things of like I don't know I feel like that gets forgotten. It's like dude, Jesus hung out with the stoners, the prostitutes, the drunks, and he had and he was like cool with them. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It is it is interesting if you if you try to remove Jesus from the New Testament, like what do you actually what what is left in that? Like Jesus never condemns gay people. You know, right. um, Jesus definitely is not like being, as far as I can tell, you know, uh, like anti-marijuana or any, any of that kind of stuff, right? I mean, he's, um, or or even anti-sex work. I mean, like when when the woman is caught in adultery, you know, what does he say? He says, let you who have not sinned cast the first stone, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um and my my mom is still convinced, and I am too, that uh, what you know he, how he's writing his finger in the sand. He's writing something down there. Yeah. It doesn't actually say what was written. Um, we're both convinced that um, it says, "Where is the man?" You know, because <laughs> they only brought out the woman. <laughs> I for yeah, being I've heard that adultery. I like that. Yeah, nobody uh, nobody gives the man any shit for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because you know he has a penis, so. <laughs> <laughs> actually at my church and i go to a, a hippie church uh for those in notch that's considered heresy we don't call jesus the son of god he is the master teacher alongside buddha and muhammad and such um but but they they talked about too how like there's so many the women were written out because again like the new testament is is this sort of history from the eyes of someone and so we're getting the information that they chose to put in, and we're also not getting the information. Like, we don't hear shit about Mary Magdalene, um, and she was a huge part. There were a ton of women following Jesus, and actually what uh, Richard was telling telling us was that, too, that the women were very important. They handled a lot of this sort of financial business, 
to mm. his ministry going around, like important stuff. The men just got to go travel and party and hang out, you know, but they make them seem all important. Um, yeah. And the women are the, the first actual people who Jesus gave the gospel to. I mean, they were the ones at the tomb. They were the first evangelists, if you will, yeah. who, shared, who actually shared the message of the gospel, mm. you know, so to like completely cut them out as primary figures is, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, just I don't know, this what I see is misinterpretation or purposeful misinterpretation. Cuz like one thing and I'll shut up about sort of Bible interpretations though is God when I when I read Acts from sort of an understanding perspective, it was the saddest thing to me because it's it's like mm. just watching the beautiful thing Jesus tried to build and then watching the Jewish culture sort of you know, turn it muddy to bring it down. Be like, oh, we can't embrace everything he had. Hang on, we got to keep this. We got to keep that. You know, and namely the sins. Yeah, yeah, the early church, just like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I, I guess I haven't thought about this so much in a while, but you bring up an interesting point that like, you have what Jesus actually said and did, and then you have people, much like today, just trying to force fit whatever narrative or moral structure they think is true into that. I mean, it's like how today, you know, Jesus never talks about gay people, um, but people will very, will work so hard to try to inject that message um, that, yeah, Jesus would not have, maybe Jesus didn't talk about, you know, being anti-gay or like condemn gay people actively, um, but he would not have supported same-sex relationships. And then they just provide all this like contextual information to try to support the worldview that they've already decided is true. They're not actually trying to like really explore both ways. And while I think that you know, there's probably always some people who like consciously are really trying to be as open as they can. Um, I think, I think the most, uh, I mean, I guess one could argue I do the same thing what I'm about to do now, but if we're talking <laughs> scripture, I think the clearest way to filter out the work of God versus the work of man is going back to what we said earlier, right? The, the fruits of the spirit and the wages of sin, wherever we see the fruits of the spirit, that's that, that would be God working, right? Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I think there's one more and self-control. Um, and then the wages of sin is death, right? Literal death, spiritual death, whatever you want to call it. And what do we see when we accept gay people into the church or into society? We see life. We see people mm -hmm. coming out of shame, coming into hope, coming into love and showing the fruits of the spirit. And what do we see when we keep them in the closet and like don't accept them? We see literal death because they kill themselves. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's what happens. I think that's the clearest way to look at it. And it's the same thing. Like no good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. Mm. You know, and so I, I kind of filter everything through that lens. Um, if I'm taking like a scriptural approach um, and that's, you know, again, I, I don't really kind of base my morality in that anymore, but I typically, I oftentimes use that if I'm looking for a way to try to connect with somebody who, you know, does have like a hardcore stance on one of these things um, and isn't really willing to budge. I try to, you know, figure out how to use some of these scriptural things. And of course, usually they're, you know, in response to that, somebody might say, well, you got to take the whole New Testament. You can't just do one little part and use those as the linchpins. And that's, I don't think that's actually true at all. I dig that. And, uh, 
Yeah, and, I, and it makes me I, one step further on it too is uh, is when you know all those references to death and hell and kind of implying that's like the afterlife. I think that shit's he, right here, right now. You know, when mm. when you are acting outside of when you know kindness, if you're being judgmental, if you're being blaming, all those sort of things, you're creating hell here and now. And uh, you know, and the death, the death is 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 your. I don't know. I guess you not not your soul, but I, you know, I'm trying to express. It's like it's like it's yeah. not at the end. It's just it's happening right now to you, and you can't even see it. You can't even see yeah. the hell you're creating for yourself, psych- psychologically, emotionally. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. That's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about hell being something that is current. I thought about the kingdom of God being something that is current. You know, and there's ways to kind of, sometimes I even kind of look at what my life is like now. And I think to myself, did I somehow um, stumble onto something that is basically functionally the same thing, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but, um, you know, I'm just not using the same terms for it, but I'm actually connecting with at least kind of the essence of what the goal of the, the gospel and and the this kind of religion was trying to get to, mm-hmm. you know, because in, in many ways, I look at my life before and I see that as like, well, I was I was dead before. Now I'm alive, right? Yeah. I feel like I've been reborn. Um, I've I've reconnected with um, the purity of like, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's, and, and I'm I'm a better person now. Like I I can actually love other people. I'm not I'm not like selfish in the ways that I I used to be. I'm not codependent. Like I'm healing. I'm on the this process of sanctification of like actually becoming. Um, healthy, you know, and like yeah. able to give to the world and able to make a real impact where I'm really loving people. And I look at that and I go like, wow, like, but look at that. Like I'm, I look more like Jesus than I've ever looked, you know, when I was a Christian, even though like, and now I'm not asking myself, what would Jesus do? So in some ways it's kind of like, ah, interesting. Like now I'm, I actually am pr- kind of participating in the kingdom of God in this sort of way. If I just kind of switch some of the labeling, I can kind of see that parallel but I hadn't really thought about, um, and that's the life I'm experiencing now that, you know, Jesus said he came to bring life and life to the full. Maybe that's what's happening. It's just a different label and all that other stuff. I don't know. But um, it's interesting to think about like hell being the same way where like if I had stayed in that world before, um, I would definitely be in hell right now because I'm pretty sure I'd be married, you know, because some girl that I had met um, that's. You know, the box. like this is, yeah, this is like what I'm supposed to do. I want to have yeah. sex. So I'm definitely going to get married. I'm going to like, you know, compensate for all these things that are obviously really unhealthy about this relationship. Um, and I'm going to get married way too early so I can do that. Um, make like permanent decisions about my life and then maybe wake up a number of years later um, and then try to start to heal. Right. Um, and that would have been like absolute hell. I mean, I think literally think about the girl that I dated in college. I thought I was going to marry and really grateful that we didn't not because she was like a, a bad person, but we just were not a good match at all. And her family and I, it would not have been good. Like so, so unhealthy now that I look back on it now and I would have been so unhappy. Like, it would have been awful.
right, and we're back. And we're back. Uh, well, that that little break of silence. Uh, it's a great segue point. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about how all that relates to your current music project. You kind of mentioned earlier about how you kind of you kind of put yourself back in debt with uh, with the album you've been working on. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's a lot of bad decisions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, making an album is is really expensive. Um, it's definitely the most you know worthwhile thing that I've done. Uh, I feel I feel like in my in my life, I mean, I've done especially for like my own personal health for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the album itself so so far is thirty seven thousand um, dollars. And there's a lot more that's going to go into finishing this sci-fi series. There's 12 episodes. Each episode, even though I do like most of the uh, video production side of things, like I, I hire somebody to come and actually do the filming in terms of like holding the camera, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I do all the planning, location scouting, uh, editing, you know, coordinating wow. with the team. You know, uh, there's a ton of costs that go into, you know, traveling, uh, location rental, location permits, all that kind of stuff. And then I also include a lot of like special effects and stuff like that. So like this last one had a force field in it. Yeah, they've been um, they've been nuts. And also to kind of clarify for the listeners, the sci-fi series he's referring to is the music videos for the singles on uh, mm. the album. And each one's basically been right. It's like each each single is presented as a part to I guess a twelve part story. And it's it's been cool. it's it's been wild and and the production on it is phenomenal. We're gonna have links in the show notes, by the way, for yeah, all I need three. to check that out. I haven't uh I, I didn't do due diligence and I haven't I've not listened to anything. Is this your first album? Or is it's it- my first album as a solo artist. I've done a okay. couple albums um before, I think two. Um one was with my brother. Well they're both one was with my brothers and one was with my brother. Okay. So. <laughs> Cool. Um, but that was, you know, that was a while ago now. So this is really my first kind of foray out into the uh, solo artist world, which I think, especially for kind of touching back on some of the things we talked about earlier, this is one of the biggest, most important things about this is that this is me kind of embracing my own power and my own individualism, my own um, value as a person yeah. on my own without yeah. the codependency aspects. Um, and that's been a whole journey going through it. Um, but yeah, like, like Chris was saying, it's, um, it's a, you know, a 12 part, um, album. So there's 12 songs in this thing. They're kind of, they're still being released. I was trying to do one per month, but all these videos have been a lot more involved than I, than I thought they were going to be. So it's being a little bit less than that, but uh, with each song comes a part to the series. And it's like usually 10 minute segments about, I think the first one was a little bit shorter, about six or seven minutes. Um, but it's, it's. Both there's like a narrative portion and then there's the actual song portion. Um, and there's little cut scenes and stuff sometimes in the middle of the song or, you know, at the end. Um, and it's, you know, kind of follows. Yeah. It kind of happens because of my my love of sci-fi and all this stuff. I just it's awesome. wanted to throw in all this. I, I love music that tells a story and cuts in and out like that. Like there's a bunch of hip hop that does that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just the the idea, even going back to the wall, right? You know, like where you're telling a story through an album. You know, Pink mm-hmm. Floyd and, and that kind of thing. I've always dug that. So that's cool. I'm definitely check that out. Yeah, it's really Thanks, cool man. too. I love the dynamics of it because because your music is 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 pop and it's it's very upbeat, it's very catchy. 
and then and so it's this weird sort of it's it's a cool unique dynamic because you it it opens up with this almost like dark kind of undercurrent kind of energy to this tail that's building and then it gets all happy you know and you're enjoying stuff and then there's these hints of like what's going on underneath you know yeah and, uh, i'm curious i'm i'm very i've gotten really cool and into it um curious kind of where this is going and also and where the music's going um yeah especially Sweet, dude. I'm, I'm so glad because like i mean specifically what you said about um the way that you you feel when you watch it like you see it um and it's like it's got this very poppy sound and you notice that like oh there's like some sort of dark undercurrent but it's not really clear what that is it's kind of vague but you kind of you feel that ominousness that's coming you know mm -hmm. and I, you know, this is my first time doing like a project at this kind of scale. So, and that's exactly the kind of feeling I wanted to get across. Um, and part of what I really enjoy about kind of this juxtaposition of these first bunch of songs. So the first, like probably the first three songs are definitely pop. The, the songs number two and three are like mainstream pop. Um, song number four is still pop, but it goes more in like a rock direction. And then from there, it then if there it really starts to change um a fair amount um goes into a lot of other influences um i don't know if any of the other songs i would classify as pop mm. um exactly maybe maybe but um definitely more like alternative i would say um which of course you know is intended to match more of kind of the story of what's happening and the heaviness of it um, and as I was putting together the narrative, like, how does all this stuff make sense for this whole 12 video series story? The way that this whole thing came together was like, I came up with all the, the um, all of the songs in order. I just was like, well, how would I put these in a show? And I kind of just put them together, like in a certain way mm -hmm. um, that made sense, honestly, based off of my old experience at church, yeah. kind of organizing songs where you kind of have this, this everything hits at the beginning. It's really exciting. Um, you kind of pull back and then you slowly work. I was going to ask if that influenced it. Yeah, thing, and then you you know kind of end on a bang, or like a really you know sad nostalgic song, which is what I chose to do for this one. Spoiler alert! But yeah, where was I going with that? That was oh yeah. So one of the things that happened is I didn't really know how to fit in fit in a couple of the more recent songs into this narrative. And that I had kind of come up with for what made the most sense. And over time, with enough internal reflection, all of a sudden the pieces kind of really dropped into place, which is that it was the juxtaposition, which would be perfect um, for representing some of the concepts um, that are going on in a meta fashion um, to try to create that sort of feeling, right? That the juxtaposition creates a sense of like, <clears throat> like what is real or a sense of, you know, denial of reality um, you know, things like that, that really, um, you emotionally get to this place where it's just like, oh, you're in the feeling of happiness and like all this kind of stuff is happening. You're like, for example, being on the boardwalk and everything, right. Mm -hmm. I'm performing, <clears throat> you know, to the world and it's all, you know, great. Like I'm all, you know, happy, um, kind of doing my thing and then kind of the reality sets in, right. Or like this, what I, what I saw in the, in the episode one kind of hits me again, I wasn't, I didn't think it was real. I'm really confused, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's like, it's interesting to kind of play. I've been enjoying playing with those dynamics, but it wasn't like what I thought of at the beginning. It was kind of as I was trying to explore how, 
Like I see that these songs all connect and I know that there's a way to connect these into this narrative. How does that connection happen in a way that's authentic and true to my experience? And it's really turned out in a way that I honestly, I didn't expect, um, but I'm really, I'm really pumped about. It's more, more honest, I think more full, I guess, than anything that I've done before, I think. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's, it's, it's really good. Like the production value on it's phenomenal. You know, you talked about how much money you've, you've invested in this and, but it's one of those things. It's like, you can see, you can see the value of that, like, or what or the value that's added to what you're producing. You know, it's, um, it's good stuff, man. I just, I don't know, I want to applaud it. And, and again, to anyone uh, listening, you know, uh, check the show notes out. We'll have links to this. Um, and you've got these songs on Spotify. Are you under what is it, Luke Justin Roberts or is LJR? I always forget. LJR. Yeah, okay. I used to do Luke Justin Roberts, but and it is what LJR stands for. It was just such a mouthful, man. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> it was, and honestly, it was really hard to work into like graphic designs and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's awkward to introduce myself. I would just want to be like, oh, I'm Luke, you know, right? Um, if I say Luke Justin Roberts, it's always it's just so much. And honestly, people thought I sounded like a country singer too with that name. I got yeah. that a lot. Like yeah, from does. totally random people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, now now I can do like big logos that are just LJR and it all makes more sense. It feels it's just more brandable. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of better with that. Yeah, that's a cool thing too. Like uh, because I've been learning a lot uh just kind of following you. I mean, cause recently, like, and I guess I'll give some background. Cause like you've, you've been, it's funny. This interview has actually been on my mind since the beginning of the podcast. It was more of just like, I wanted to develop it. So, so we'd seem legit enough to pull you in, <laughs> oh, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> you know? And, uh, cause it, <laughs> instead of being like, Oh, that janky little podcast you have one episode of, I don't know, man. I, not that you would yeah. react that way, but um, no, dude, I, I, I really, uh, I really was excited when you asked me. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for having me. This is really, it was really great being here. I, I was, it was very encouraging. I know I kind of interrupted here, but I'll let you get back to it in a second, but I wanted to quickly say, um, it was really cool when we started to reconnect, um, because I've, as much as I feel like my older brother and I have, you know, a sense of connection around a lot of this t- stuff where we're trying to heal and everything. I think my younger brother is trying to as well. I haven't really been able to form those same connections with anybody in my family that's outside of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. So I've been really grateful for that. Yeah, and, and and me too. It's been really cool connecting with you about right the healing going on in each other's lives and and yeah, and back to the branding, it's been neat kind of it was really when you switched to Twitch cuz cuz I've been off of Facebook, so I've missed a lot of stuff you've been active about on there. And when you went mm-hmm. to Twitch, it was like, "Ooh, cool." And I started watching and I saw the the interviews you were having talking about, you know, um us again, it's kind of self-help kind of stuff and 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 the church trauma. And I went, wow, you know, he's on the same wavelength as me. But, you know, but also as someone that's becoming a, a, I'm finally entering sort of professional lifestyle as a music coach, as a performer, and seeing just the brand you've established, um, you know, for the listeners too, he has, if you go to his website, what's your website address? Um, it's actually down right now because I'm redoing it. <laughs> well, when it's yeah, up. So I would, when for it's my, up. For brand stuff, I would go to um, I would probably go to my my Facebook. Ah, Facebook, um, no. That's yeah, I know, right? You can also go to my Twitch. I think that's that's pretty branded there, um, with all my kind of like textures and stuff that I've kind of picked out. Patreon is also another good one where you can generally see stuff. Mm. Um, 
or or Instagram. Um, yeah, my, my website is Luke Justin Roberts. Normally, you really caught me at kind of like right, literally just yesterday, I put it to like under construction, like deleted a lot of stuff and like changed things up. Hey man, you got to um, make progress. But yeah, he's got he's got like necklaces. He's really cool necklaces that match the stuff that you see in the music videos. Like you can buy those. Yeah, like those too, yeah. yeah it's really it's it's genius. <laughs> genius. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm just uh, yeah, it was part of the hustle. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm excited about uh, seeing like I think I just need to get um, figure out ways to get more just more eyeballs on the content is I think the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. That's part of why I'm so excited about TikTok, because um, TikTok is a great way to just share your story, um, to connect with people, and then you can share your music, and people will actually really, you know, want to check it out if you've got an interesting way to share your content on there. Um, and like you said, you know, I've worked really hard to try to make my my presentation online very integrated, and my whole, you know, my art actually found at a foundational level be integrated with the business side of things too. To make the experience just way, way better. I mean, it's like when I go to, you know, any event, if I'm going to buy something, I want to buy something that represents the experience I just had, you know, mm, like, yeah. and that gives me a way to feel like I'm connecting with that in the moment. Yeah. And so that's part of why I was like, you know what, it'd be really cool if I could actually work in the merch into the music videos as props. And then all yeah. of a sudden, like, you can just buy the, the same merch that's, you know, buy you can buy the prop from the video. And now you've got a much more meaningful way to connect you know with Connie's that. doing yeah <laughs> it's, the, it's smart <laughs> yeah and the other aspect how can get it from disney <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah they make merch of all the things that are in the videos right yeah sure, yeah in the movies and the other cool aspect you have to um is the community you've kind of built. You've had a you've had a really good sort of sense I feel of connecting and and allowing that connection between your listeners and that also creates that engagement um, so that's another cool thing I've been, I've been admiring about what you're doing Al, And speaking of engagement too, before we wrap up, I, I want to touch back on that app you were talking about. Cause it's like, as you're sort of building a community, you're also giving back. Um, so- yeah. Yeah. So this fundraising app uh, that we're putting together, is called fund up. Um, basically it gives people an easy way to support the nonprofits that they care about in their local communities, uh, by multiplying their giving using, uh, their networks. Um, so the, the long and short of it is you, you give $5 a month to your favorite nonprofit. You have a unique referral link that you send out to your friends and family who also give a couple bucks a month. They send out their links to their friends and family. And pretty soon you've got this whole tree of givers that are all giving because of you. And so you're only giving like $5 a month or so. But because of you, you know, 10 people are giving a combined $100 a month or something like that, right? Hmm. So $50 to $100 a month. So now you can see how like that $5 turns into $50 or $100 um, and then you can raise money for whatever nonprofit, you know, you want to raise for. Um, so that's kind of the idea of how it works. Um, it's a progressive web app, so it's not something that you'll find in the app store or Google play. Um, it's kind of part of the, the way that a lot of apps are moving in the future is just like you go to a website, um, that functions exactly like an app. You can save it to your home screen and it literally will work just like an app. It just won't have the URL thing at the bottom that websites, uh, excuse me, have. So we're in beta launch with that right now. We went through like a, a number of iterations of other versions of this uh, that didn't really work quite as well as we wanted to. Raised a couple thousand dollars for the Maryland Food Bank, but we didn't really kind of hit the, the level of, of success that we wanted to because the, the features weren't really quite there with the older versions where we'd like, because we were like 
raising money by selling t-shirts through the app and you refer the other people to buy t-shirts and we donate a percentage of all the t-shirt sales basically. Mm. And you'd have to buy them through the app and it was confusing because people would have to ask you about the t-shirt when you wore it around because it had a phrase on it that attracted attention. People didn't want them talking. People didn't want random people talking to them about stuff and there's all sorts of things like that. So we kind of took what really worked, which is the foundational referral concept to create this tree of givers and show you how you can have a much bigger impact uh, with a small action um, than you could before. So, and then we just made that into a, a concept that then could be used by any nonprofit. <clears throat> um, so right now we're in the midst of um, where we can raise money in, I think it's six or seven different states. Uh, we're in the midst of filing um, for uh, the rest of them. Uh, we have a 51C3 nonprofit um, that's kind of the, <clears throat> the partner foundation to our company that developed the app, you know, we are a for-profit uh, company. Um, we believe, you know, that it's it's really important to show that, like, if you dedicate your life to doing something good, you can actually make a lot of money uh, doing that because we need more people that are, you know, going to be willing to dedicate their lives to doing something good. And right now, you know, typically the feeling is you have to, if you go work for a nonprofit where you're actually dedicating your life to doing something good, you're not going to make very much money. You know, I think 40, maybe 50K, um, unless you're the CEO and maybe you're making 500 or whatever. Um, but I don't believe that that's how we should function as a society. Um, so, uh, I want to hopefully use this company as an example to say like, Hey, if you dedicate your life to making the world better, to creating a positive impact that you can, you can make a lot of money as well. Um, I always go back to the example of like, people can, um, make millions and millions of dollars making like super violent video games and nobody bats an eye. But as soon as you want to dedicate your life to doing something good, people are like, oh, you can't make any money doing that. You know, it's like, this is stupid. It's also based on a fundamental lack of understanding of what actually goes into creating the impacts, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for people like all the people who work for a nonprofit are part of the, uh, they're, they're doing the work that is necessary to make the impact. So they are actually part of that. That is the cost of the impact, it's what it takes to do that. So anyway, so that's kind of the idea of the app. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the app called again? It's called FundUp. F-U-N-D-U-P. Um, and there's no capital U. Everybody always messes that up. Uh, it makes me think of when Facebook started. They People must have been putting a capital B on the book of you know, Facebook. Yeah, right. right? I'm guilty of that. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people, people always do that with, uh, with FundUp, but it's all good. We'll get through it. You'll get through it. Yeah. And you're in the beta stage, right? So it's not really out to the public yet, or or is it? Kind of technically, anybody can find it if you go to uh, fundup.app. Mm -hmm. uh, then you can you can um, check it out and, and learn about what we do. Uh, read the frequently asked questions. Technically, you can even you know sign up as a nonprofit uh, to to start fundraising. But we have a, a verification process, and right now, since we're in the beta, all that is manual. So we we manually vet every single nonprofit, make sure it's it's real and all that stuff, which mm -hmm. we'll continue to do um, even when we're out of beta. Um, but it kind of keeps us, it allows us to stay at the smaller level until we make sure that, okay, yeah, everything's working perfectly. Like it worked, everything worked perfect in the test environment, but you always want to test it in production yeah. with a couple before you go and, you know, call your celebrity everybody. friends. Not that yeah. I have a bunch <laughs> of celebrity friends, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. That's so awesome. Uh, well, Dang, I don't want to end this, man. This has been a really good time, but I know you've got you've got uh you've got to take a break here for things going on in your world. I gotta 
I got a kid that's home and I gotta switch gears with mom. So got we're a cat gonna, to feed. You got a cat to feed. So <laughs> we're gonna yeah. we're gonna wrap he's, up. He's hounding me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but LJR, thank you so much for coming. Um and again, everyone, uh check out the show notes. We're gonna have links to uh his music videos, his his music, um, and everything. Um also I'm just gonna ask it here because we haven't had a chance to really talk beforehand or do we have permission to use your music for the podcast beginning and ending? Yeah, totally. Great. Cool. So everybody, listen. Check. Listen. You're gonna get a taste of his music afterwards. We always have an end of show tune. It's usually my own work. Uh, but today is gonna be a special day. We're gonna have one of Luke's songs. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, again, this is degree of experience, um, and we are a value for value podcast, and that means that if you feel like you received any value uh, to what you've been listening to, we just kindly ask that you uh, put a number on it and return it to us uh, at value.degreeofexperience.com. Uh, also, if you want to reach out to us, give us some feedback, uh, you can reach me that's at chris at bargeron.life. Again, that's chris at B-A-R-G-E-R-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Um, and if you really want to reach out to Sir Puck, uh, no. you can do that too at that same address. And no. <laughs> if it's if it's good, I probably won't tell him because I don't want to feed his ego. But if it's bad, no, oh, right? I'll definitely forward that shit to yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting anything? No, we we did. You begged for money. You told him where to contact us. You, you could do the time, talent, treasure, where you know, yeah. it's your time. Share, review. Yeah. Um. Go to your your local podcast app there and, and five star us if you like it. Uh, tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Um. Send us your money. Yeah. That, that's always great. Helps us keep um, it going because. Uh, yep. To do this quality of a production, um, there, there. Are, I mean, like Luke was sharing, I'm not dropping like thirty thousand, <laughs> thirty thousand no. or nothing. But, uh, <laughs> but there is some monthly expenses going on, keeping this up and going. So we just appreciate it and we help uh, that comes our way to keep this going because we're really enjoying um, doing this, and it's it's a great experience for me. It's been a cool part of my healing. Uh, and and the intention and hope is to kind of share that love with the world. Yeah, he's even getting me with it. I was just supposed to be a sidekick, and here I am reevaluating my past to yes. what is it? Redefine my present and future. Isn't that what you say there, Chris? Yeah, totally. You even got it memorized yeah. now. Very wait, wait, how do you say it? That, that sounds cool. I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, got to, uh, I'll let Chris. I felt like a million bucks when I came up with that one day at the grocery store job. That's what that's what I love about the grocery store job. It's where I do a lot of my creativity. I just I, I'm bored putting stuff on the shelf, and I just daydream about projects. And yeah, the the whole reevaluate our past in order to redefine our present and future came to me one day. I think I was putting up broccoli at that moment. <laughs> yes, uh, I love that. That is uh, now in my quotes uh, document here on my. Notes on my iPhone. Nice. Cool. With Chris Bardron. Or Chris I could Bardron. I could make it anonymous too to make it No, you, you put know. no, I need that credit, man. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> put a website uh, under it too, Bardron.life. <laughs> boom. Uh, Chris Bardron at uh value.degreeofexperience.com. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Give back some value. Oh, um oh, one more thing too self-promotion. I am also a creative facilitator for the company Creative Transformations. Um, Mm. We are a therapeutic creativity center 
um, really trying to bring in a, a lot of different community aspects of holistic practices. Um, but we're just starting up. So right now, um, I'm doing music coaching that is centered around help uh, creative workshops. So you know, we cover the mind body and soul. The mind is to give you some, the, the introduction, the music theory, explain to you the mathematics of music. Uh, body, it's, it's guitar focused. So for the body, we, we teach you some starting exercise on guitar, some chords, you know, to develop finger strength. And then the soul is the creative workshop part too. Because um, we don't just want to teach you how to sound like someone else. We want to teach you and guide you to sounding like yourself. And just from the get-go, get you involved in creative exercises to really, it's, to really enjoy more the lifestyle as a creative person more so than all the you know, business and financial stuff that's going on. You know, Because for me, creation is a form of therapy for myself. It's a form of meditation for myself. So trying to pass that on at a cost. So if you're interested in that, uh, there's also links to that at bargeron.life. Uh, also, anyone that, that is going through a tough time, my wife is a, is a licensed therapist. Um, it's also part of our Creative Transformation Services. Again, you can, there's links to her. Um, so with that, I think it's a good closing. So again, yeah, LJR, thanks. thanks for coming, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Thank you. Awesome. that I could tell you just what to say I wish that I could tell you that it's all okay but the truth is that I don't know if the sun will shine tomorrow yeah and I can't say which way the wind will blow or if the stars will come out tomorrow I can't say how it is or how it will be cause that's not up to me but I can say that everything's gonna get better that everything's gonna be alright one day we'll wake up and this will be a dream time I think of how it used to be From time to time I think of how I thought I could see How I thought I knew How everything was gonna go and play out tomorrow
to come out tomorrow I can't say how it is or how it will be Cause that's not up to me But I can say that everything's gonna get better That everything's gonna be alright One day we'll wake up and this will be a dream And cut. <laughs> and cut.